You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Hoodhead Nation, and welcome to Locked On Saints, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network. Ross Jackson here at Ross Jackson ASC on Twitter, your host covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, like nobody else does it. Lead analyst over at allsaintsconsidered.com. Welcome, as always, to all of our first-time listeners, as well as to all of those of you who have been supporting me from the jump. Hoodhead family, and welcome into this week's first episode. Glad to be with you on this Monday game day version of Locked on Saints. Recording in the wee hours of the morning tonight just because I want to make sure I get to everything you need to know ahead of tonight's game as early as possible. So we're going to start off with the injury report. Who's in, who's out, who's the game time decision, and what it all means. Then we'll take a look at where the Saints stand in the NFC playoff picture after Sunday's games and where they could stand after tonight. Then we'll take a look at some playoff scenarios, dig a little bit deeper here, basing all of this on how the Saints and their other NFC opponents fare over the rest of the season. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints, your team every day. So jumping into injury report right here, uh, the Saints and Colts have already listed out some of their game designations. These came out with the Saturday practice participation report. So some of this you might have already heard, but the Saints will have Andrus Pete. Kiko Alonso, who's dealing with a thigh injury, Patrick Robinson, who's dealing with a calf injury, Johnson Vadamosi, who's dealing with a foot injury, and Von Bell, dealing with a knee injury, all out for this game. Andrus Pete, not much of a surprise. Of course, he's still battling back from his surgery after his broken arm. He might be able to return the last week of the season or maybe into the playoffs. Kiko Alonso and his thigh injury, I thought he might be able to see his way back before AJ Klein, but doesn't look like that's the case. He's going to miss another week. And then Patrick Robinson and Johnson Batamosi are actually two pretty big injuries for the Saints over on the special team side. They're both very good special teamers, particularly in the coverage side of the game, whether it be punt or kickoff doesn't matter Uh, those guys really really solid special teamers so that's pretty big for Darren Rizzi's unit there and then of course to have Von Bell out that has a little bit of a ripple effect itself even going all the way out to special teams so Von Bell being out likely means that you're going to get to see some of rookie Saquon Hampton who was drafted out of Rutgers earlier this year so while having a young rookie in the back end of the Saints defense particularly in a secondary that struggled as much as it did last week is already a concern that has some ripple effect as well into special teams as Saquon Hampton who would usually only be active to see special team snaps would see those snaps limited or at least affected because of the time he has to spend on the field playing defense. So something to keep an eye out on there. How does the Saints coverage team on special teams live up with some of this uh, sort of shaking around and some of this rearranging that might have to happen due to these injuries? So notable no designations, i.e. good to goes for the Saints. Drew Brees with a right elbow, uh, Cam Jordan with an abdomen injury, Tron Armstead, ankle, Jared Cook returning from concussion, and A.J. Klein with the knee injury. The turn of A.J. 
decline is actually a welcome one, considering how much the linebacking core struggled against San Francisco without their starters. Not having Alonzo hurts, of course, but if Manti Teo is actually good to play this week, I'd love to see him step in and be sort of that supplemental Sam in the run defense that leaves the field for nickel packages, leaving that to Demario Davis and AJ Klein. And even as we've seen a couple times this year, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson as an option for somebody to be one of those nickel linebackers beside Demario Davis as well. So we'd love to see Manti Teo get some snaps in here, but AJ Klein, good to see him back. There was some concern when Cam Jordan's name popped up in the injury report, but as expected, he's fine to go. Jared Cook makes a speedy recovery through concussion protocol. He's going to be a great asset for Drew Brees, who popped up on the injury report on Thursday himself, but came up as a full participant thanks to a sleeve that he was wearing on his right arm. So all is well there. But Cook's big day could have something to do with how the Colts defense mixes things up with at least one of their defensive backs out for tonight's game. That defensive back over on the Colts side being Kenny Moore, who's dealing with an ankle injury. The Colts defense really struggled in week 14 without Moore, with Jameis Winston throwing for 456 yards and four touchdowns. Winston did throw three interceptions, but two of those went to the linebacker, Darius Leonard. So this could have a big ripple effect over on the Colts side as well, kind of like what we were talking about with the Saints injuries affecting special teams. This could be pretty big for the Colts defense because if you don't have Kenny Moore out there, who's one of the top corners, we'll talk about the Colts top corner here in a second, who's also dealing with an injury. But if you don't have Kenny Moore out there, you're likely going to be utilizing a lot of safety coverage and a lot of safety help for bracket coverage, particularly with guys like Michael Thomas. So if that's the case, that's going to open up the game a little bit for a guy like Jared Cook, as well as even Alvin Kamara, who we're hoping to see have, let's not call it his breakout game, but instead let's kind of call it his bounce back game because he has some opportunity here. Remember the Colts last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers allowed 11 catches for 90 yards receiving to running backs, eight catches for 103 yards and a touchdown to tight ends. So definitely something to keep an eye out on there. And it can get even more complicated for Indianapolis if Pierre Desir, their cornerback, their top corner is unable to go. So we already talked about how they're already without starter Kenny Moore and absent or hampered Desir could be huge for New Orleans. Again, compounding the same issue that we just talked about. What do you do to limit Michael Thomas? You have to give up some of that safety support. And then how do you end up utilizing guys like Jared Cook and Alvin Kamara if you're Sean Payton to take advantage of some other mismatches? You can use Alvin Kamara to occupy some linebackers and get Jared Cook on some of those younger and smaller guys out on the edge as well. Now, the big news for Indianapolis, will they see T.Y. Hilton? He's a game time decision. If he's unable to go, that's big for the Saints, but he could be a nice challenge for Marshawn Lattimore, who's played well so far. If Hilton's unable to go, you're going to see a lot from Zach Pascal, and I imagine Jack Doyle as well from the tight end position. And if Hilton is able to go, still expect some attention for Zach Pascal, who would then be matched up on Eli Apple, whom quarterbacks have been picking on a ton lately. So that just about covers everything you need to know about injuries today in terms of who's in, who's out, game time decisions, things like that. Nothing unexpected that I'm imagining from the Saints here. Uh, so we kind of know what we're going to be seeing going into this game. We've talked a little bit about what it is that we expect in terms of game plan as well, who we hope has a bounce back game. 
I'm just going to keep knocking on wood about that one. But the big question that still remains is what do the Saints have to play for tonight? Can they move up from the number three seed with a win against Indianapolis? We'll talk about that next as well as talk about some of the possible scenarios throughout the rest of the season for the NFC playoff picture. But before we get to that, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. It's bluechew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. If you could benefit from more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor's office, wait in line at the pharmacy, and it ships straight to your door in a discreet package. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy, and best of all, there's no more awkwardness. And right now, we've got a special deal just for our listeners. Visit Bluetooth com to get your first shipment for free when you use the promo code locked on l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n just pay five dollars in shipping again that's b-l-u-e chew.com promo code locked on to try it for free blue chew is the better cheaper and faster choice and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast So after the Saints dropped their game to San Francisco last week, we talked about the criteria that this team would need to meet in order to get back into the number one seed conversation. So far, so good for the Saints. We talked about how they need to win out. We talked about how the Seahawks, the 49ers, and the Packers would all have to drop games and ideally Seattle beating San Francisco at the end of the year. Well, not ideally, absolutely. Seattle would have to beat San Francisco in week 17 in order for all of this to work out so they could all end up tied essentially at 13-3 and and then give New Orleans the opportunity to jump up to the number one seed. So, so far, the Saints have seen two of those things happen. Seattle dropped their game the same week that the Saints lost to San Francisco. That was last week. And then yesterday, San Francisco dropped the game to the Atlanta Falcons. Thank you, Atlanta. We appreciate it. Uh, So that actually helps out the Saints a lot because it makes San Francisco's road just a little bit tougher. And it also sort of demoralizes what it is they're going through at the moment. So for the Saints, all of that is shaping up very well. However, Green Bay did win their game against the Bears. So right now there is essentially a three-way tie potential if the Saints win their game tonight at the top of the NFC. That would be the Seahawks at number one, 11 and three, the Packers at number two, 11 and three, and right now the Saints at number three at 10 and three. The 49ers are also 11 and three, but right now, thanks to their loss to Atlanta, doesn't really matter. They're number two when it comes to the NFC West, so they can't really at this moment be any higher than the number five seeds. So when it comes to the tie here, we're talking about division leaders only. So if the Saints win tonight, that will promote them up to 11 and three. Do they move up any higher than the number three seed? Unfortunately, no. They would stay the number three seed. There's a lot of confusion about this because the Saints actually hold the head-to-head win against Seattle in terms of a tiebreaker thanks to their win against the Seahawks in week three. But it turns out that that head-to-head victory doesn't mean a thing since it's a three-way tie. The Saints, the Seahawks, and the Packers. Again, the 49ers don't count here because they didn't, they're didn't. they not winning their division at the moment. In fact, that head-to-head means nothing at all unless one of those three teams not only played, but either won or lost both contests to the opposing teams. That, however, doesn't apply to this situation, so instead, it all comes down to common opponents. The reason why 
Just because the Saints have a head-to-head victory against one of those other two teams doesn't mean that they should have the right to leapfrog one of the other teams, according to the NFL. That's the way that the rules are. That's the way that this is structured. So Seattle instead now has wins over San Francisco and Philadelphia, both of which the Packers have lost to, meaning that the Seattle Seahawks own the tiebreaker there. That's why they get the number one seed. They also have a common opponent win over the Saints thanks to their win against San Francisco. As for the Packers, they take the second seed because they have a better conference winning percentage than New Orleans, having lost only two games to NFC opponents, while New Orleans has dropped three. This is why if Green Bay were to lose a game and the Saints were to win out, the Saints would jump Green Bay because of the fact that that NFC conference record would be tied at three and three. Then it would come down to common opponents, things like that. So this is why it's good for the Saints, of course, to win out and why you're rooting for the Green Bay Packers to drop at least one game through the rest of the season because the rest of their opponents are NFC opponents. That would be the Minnesota Vikings next week and then the Detroit Lions the week after that. So this is all how New Orleans ends up as the number three seed, even if they win tonight night because they still have a lesser conference winning percentage than the Packers who are at number two keeping the Saints at number three even if they win this game it's an AFC opponent and it it doesn't matter the Saints still have three losses within the NFC conference while the Packers only have two so as of now they're going to hold down that number three spot until at least week 16 even if they win this game against the Colts tonight at home now we know the importance of home field advantage and a first round by for the Saints. First of all, home field advantage, we already get that. But when it comes to the first round bye, this is pretty big for the Saints. Injuries needing time is probably the top thing here. You think about Kiko Alonso, uh, Andrus Pete, who has the ability to return at some point throughout the playoffs. But if you can buy him an extra week, such as the wild card week to be ready, that's great. Whether you actually put him back into the starting lineup or use him as a swing tackle, as we discussed last week. And then, of course, now with this additional injury to Von Bell. Von Bell's injury looks to be not so serious. I mean, it's enough for a crutch and it's enough for him to miss one, maybe a couple of games. But consider the fact that there are only at most seven games remaining for New Orleans with three weeks left in the season in terms of the regular season and then a possible three playoff games and a Super Bowl all in less than two months from now. So if the injury wasn't severe enough to end a season that's already doesn't have a lot left to go, that's good news. And so a bye would certainly help whether or not he returns before or after the wild card round. So we know the importance of all of that when it comes to injuries. Again, we get the importance of home field advantage. That's why it's important for the Saints to really find a way to jump up here into at least one of the top two seeds. Number one, number two, doesn't matter. One of those two will guarantee that they host at least one playoff game. And potentially, even if they're in the number two spot, if number one gets knocked off in the divisional round, then they would host the NFC Conference Championship. So you at least want to get there. So what are the scenarios that will help the Saints jump into that first round by position and potentially force the road to the Super Bowl to go through the Superdome? Of course, the Saints must win out, but they'll certainly need some help next week and in week 17. We'll talk about all of that up next, but first, the original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. Get $100 off of select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash locked NFL and using the code locked NFL at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. If you can't visit Casper right now, you can find this and all other offers from our locked on sponsors at locked on podcast.com slash offers. 
All right, now for the fun stuff. How can the Saints win their way to that number one and potentially number two seed? I should say number two, potentially even number one seed. So there's a lot of scenarios here. We're going to try to go through all of them. Uh, there's the best case scenario. There's a couple of next case scenarios. And then we have the worst case scenario as well. Let's start off with the best case scenario because that's the one I know everybody wants to know. How do the Saints get the number one seed? So first of all, San Francisco and Green Bay need to drop their games next week. That would be the absolute best case scenario because that would immediately just plummet the Saints to the number one seed right away. As long And this is all assuming that New Orleans wins out for the rest of the season. So this could happen as early as next week. If Green Bay, San Francisco both lose their games next week, Green Bay's taking on, they're visiting the Minnesota Vikings, San Francisco coming off of a hard loss against the Atlanta Falcons, they're going to be taking on and hosting the Los Angeles Rams who just got plummeted entirely, completely pummeled by the uh, Dallas Cowboys in their house down at AT&T Stadium in Dallas, or I guess I should say Arlington. So there's some possibility here that the Saints could end up with a number one seed as early as next week. And that all happens even if Seattle wins, because then Seattle and Green Bay would be tied, and then they would be the only two teams tied that's key, which means that the head-to-head victory actually matters in that scenario. So New Orleans would be number one, Seattle number two, Green Bay number three. So then let's look at sort of the next case scenario. So that's absolute best because that can get you the number one seed as early as next week. So the other scenario that we talked about that's a little bit more sort of, uh, I'll say, attainable, uh, New Orleans wins out. Green Bay loses to either Minnesota or Detroit, doesn't matter, and then Seattle wins against the 49ers in week 17. This would achieve the same rankings as before. New Orleans number one, Seattle number two, Green Bay number three, San Francisco would be number five as second place in the NFC West. They can't hold the number four spot because that goes to the NFC East winner. So that would achieve all those same things. Lots of people tend to overemphasize this game between the Packers and Vikings, but the truth of the matter is that it doesn't matter at all. If Green Bay loses to Minnesota or Detroit, doesn't matter just as long as they lose another game, allowing the Saints to then leap them based solely and simply upon record. Now, another scenario in which the Saints can get the number two seed would be the Saints winning out, which would put them at 13 and three. Green Bay wins out, which would put them at 13 and three. And then the winner of the NFC West falling to 12 and four. That would mean that the winner of either San Francisco or Seattle in week 17's matchup would have to have also lost next week in week 16. So that way the winner of the NFC West would be 12 and four. So then that way the Saints and Green Bay would be tied. Green Bay, of course, holds the tiebreaker in that scenario because they have the better conference winning percentage. That would put Green Bay at number one, New Orleans at number two, whoever the NFC West winner is at number three, Seattle or San Francisco, and then whoever the NFC West runner up is at number five. Okay. So those are the ways that, those are a couple of the ways that the Saints can end up getting the number one seed and then the way that the Saints can get the number two seed. Pretty simple. Now there's also a scenario here in which if the Saints lose, they could end up being still the number two seed. There's just one little specification here. There's actually a scenario in which this happens. So if the Saints lose a game to one of the AFC opponents, that means the Colts tonight or the Titans next week, and Green Bay loses to either Minnesota or Detroit, giving them their third NFC conference loss, the Saints would then hold the number two seed behind the winner of the San Francisco-Seattle game in Week 17. If the Saints lose to another NFC opponent, which would be the Week 17 game against Carolina, that is an entirely different story, which brings us to our worst case scenario. The Saints either losing multiple games 
or they drop that week 17 to Carolina, which would be that fourth NFC loss. There are several possibilities here. If the Saints lose multiple games, none of them good. They all always they will always end up meaning that they will be in the number three seed. But if they win versus the Colts and at the Titans, but lose to Carolina in week 17, they also can't do any better than the number three seed. Even if Green Bay were to lose out, Minnesota would then be the number two seed at 12 and four with a better conference record than New Orleans. The way that the Saints took these three losses throughout the season, the first one to the Rams, can't help that one. That was a terrible matchup for them after Drew Brees went out. Teddy Bridgewater just simply wasn't ready to come in and run Drew Brees' game plan. That was the week two loss that matters so early in the season. Then the loss in week 10 off the bye week to uh, to Atlanta. That's probably the most heartbreaking one in this scenario. And then, of course, this most recent loss to San Francisco, the most important game that the Saints had played all season. They dropped that one by two points. That's three NFC losses. And that's why New Orleans is in the position that they're in right now. It's because of those three conference losses, or rather, it's because those three losses happen to be within the conference. But no use harping on that. No use complaining about it. It's just simply where the Saints are right now. And even though that is where they are, there are still multiple scenarios to where the Saints can end up with not only a first round bye, but the opportunity to host every playoff game that they will play until they head to Miami to play another game in the Super Bowl, which would feel like a home game because that's where they won it just 10 years ago. The exact victory that the Saints will be celebrating at halftime during their matchup against the Colts, who they beat 10 years ago for that Super Bowl victory. Huge game tonight for the Saints. Every game, this game, the Titans game in Nashville, the Carolina game in Carolina, all of them very, very, very important. In particular, that Carolina game, because you don't want to get comfortable at the end of the season and say, we're going to sit all of our starters. They're going to have to play. They're going to have to play. If you have a fantasy football league that goes through week 17, grab as many Saints offensive players as you can because they need that win in order to get themselves that first round by. But it all begins tonight as the Saints host the Indianapolis Colts, the final home game in the regular season for the Saints, a rebound game for the Saints defense that got torched for 48 points last week, an offense that is looking to keep the rhythm rolling because they put up 46 last week, could have put up more, but put up 46 last week. And then of course, a heavy-hearted team as well with the loss of a Saints legend in Von Johnson. Lots and lots and lots of motivation for this Saints team tonight. Should be a very fun game. And of course, don't forget... Tom Brady moved ahead of Drew Brees, 538 touchdown passes, but did not break Peyton Manning's record with three touchdown passes tonight. Drew Brees breaks that record. So many different motivating factors throughout this game. It's going to be fun. This is going to be a driven team. This is going to be a pissed off team. This is going to be a team that is motivated like we haven't seen before. And I'm looking forward to a great performance from them tonight. And I'm hoping that we'll be able to come back tomorrow and talk all about it because that's going to do it for today's episode, y'all. Thank you so much as always for coming through once again. I am Ross Jackson. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. Enjoy the game. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're momming them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. And if you haven't already, go ahead and drop that five-star review, that rating. Go ahead and subscribe. All of that. I thank you so much for all your support and for helping me grow this family. This has been Locked on Saints and Trust to That Nation. I'll holla at you.